Hey, it's me, Sam. It's Tuesday afternoon, and uh, this is a take two on this episode. I think we're on the um, sixth episode. I could be wrong. Um, I don't fact check me on that. I don't know. But um, yeah, last night I was uh, about 11, 11, 15. You know, started the some back porch talking and was pretty well about 40 minutes in. Um, and the baby started crying. I'll get to that. <clears throat> so I paused it. And then after I got him settled, I came back downstairs and, um, you know, went to basically wrap it up, finish up what I had been doing. And it was gone. It was just gone, gone, gone. So had that happened one other time before. I'm not really sure where it goes or what happens, but that's okay. I was, re- it was late last night and I definitely was not going to re-record it then. So we're, be- we're here today. I've got a, um, almost an hour drive home. So we're good to go. Um, yeah. So the baby was crying because as I predicted last Friday, we all spent the entire weekend sick, sick, and sick. I, um, Saturday was okay. Uh, went and, um, went to my daughter's t-ball game. Didn't feel great. Babies were kind of hit or miss. Um, a lot of Motrin just to manage. Just some, like, kind of nagging low-grade fevers. Um, and then... Saturday afternoon was okay came home and uh, you know did some naps everybody was good to go and then um, Sunday though woke up Sunday and I woke up kind of early and I almost got up and started going trying to mow some grass before um, the kids got up and then I kind of laid there and I thought something's something's not right. I'm more than I'm more than just congested at this point. And sure enough, got up and uh, I don't know who anybody I don't know how other people feel or if anybody else feels this way, but when I have a fever, I mean it'll be like 98.9, like barely low grade. Like I feel like it's 112 because I. You, might, you should have seen me when my mom came and picked up the kids and took them to church, the older two, and, and took them to church, and it was such a huge help. Not that <clears throat> they require, you know, they, they would have been okay even with me being kind of unavailable on Sunday, but, you know, they had a really good day with her, and they got to spend time with her for Mother's Day and stuff, but, because um, I was unavailable. I was completely out of it. Not completely. I mean, I was obviously taking care of the baby still, but I just was not, like, we weren't going to any parks or doing anything outside or doing anything active. I barely moved out of the chair. Um, but, yeah, so Sunday, um, when my mom picked them up, I had on a, it was, here it's like 80 degrees by 9 a.m. at this point, and I had on a heavy coat zipped up <laughs> all the way up around my neck because I was freezing, and then by the time the Motrin kicked in, I was sweating. So then I had all that off. And I just ache, like, in my joints, my lower back, my head, my neck. Like, every joint in my body just feels like it's 
ridden with arthritis and aching and I just I hate when I have a fever I I, I can remember I can remember the last time I had a fever because it's so bad the way I feel when I do that it just sticks out in my mind so thankfully my mom like I said she helped me out and got the older two kids so I stayed in with the babies all day we slept we didn't you know neither one of them um like I said really wants to eat anything when they're sick so that's just been kind of scary especially with the baby he um is definitely cut like hardly eating anything these past few days he's doing a little bit better every day but it's just kind of crazy how he's not hardly eating but um and then just a lot of sleeping I mean just to give you an idea on how bad I felt Sunday night here I can't remember the last time that I just that I went to bed without caring or doing anything and I I put the kids to bed and then I came downstairs and locked the doors I don't think I did anything else I know I didn't because then I went back upstairs and it was barely nine o'clock and I was back in bed and I felt so terrible but uh, thankfully woke up yesterday morning, still congested. I'm sure I just had a massive, scary, coughing, choking fit in front of one of my patients. She had some bottled water, so thank you for that. But um, yeah, I'm still kind of congested, a little bit coughing. My voice is definitely better. I'm sure last night, I, I'm kinda, I am kind of bummed that I lost that recording because I sounded like a... a uh, 90 year old man my voice was very deep and and scruffy or whatever you want to call it from being sick so my voice is kind of kicked back in and I feel a little feel even better today but yesterday I um I ended up deciding to go ahead and stay home because the baby was running a low-grade fever overnight and into the morning and so I wanted to keep him home another day and then I ended up taking my one-year-old to the sitter course I need a shout out to my sitter because my one-year-old definitely was drinking she was here she wouldn't eat anything but she would drink like these yogurt smoothies which I know when kids are congested and coughing and stuff you're not supposed to maybe have them drink a lot of dairy because it just is a lot of phlegm and blah 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 but she would not eat anything but she would drink these smoothies <clears throat> so I'd given her one um, in the car while we're driving there. And she, of course, is starving all the time. So she sucks the thing down. And next thing I know, she, like, gets to coughing and gags. And, of course, just pukes the whole thing up all over herself. So I call my sitter. And I'm like, yeah, uh, false alarm. We're going to go ahead and turn around and go back home because she just barfed all over herself. She's like, whatever, just bring her on. I'll just give her a bubble bath. She'll love it. That way you'll have the day and you can go home with the baby and relax. And I mean, this woman, uh, one day I'll do a um, babysitter pros and cons and, and talk about <clears throat> making a good choice about babysitters and stuff because there's been, some, there's, there's been some things, you know, but what it comes down to is I've had to weigh out um, the, the maybe the things that I'm not too fond, about, fond of with some of the things that you know, I know I would never find anywhere else. Like, trust me when I say, if you have your child in a daycare center, they are never going to be okay with you bringing them covered in, in like, phlegmy, nasty yogurt puke. No, they're, they're not going to be okay with that. <laughs> they're not going to be giving them a bubble bath. So, um, 
so yeah I took her because I was like yeah I'm selfish and I and I do want to be able to rest and everything and I needed I needed to she was better like really that was just a fluke that she ended up doing that because she got gagged but she was better she wasn't running a fever she actually ate pretty good yesterday she's definitely um on the upswing um the baby though yesterday man he just would not eat anything I fought with him all day he finally ate a little bit in the evening and then of course so like I said I feel better today but I'm going on I don't even know maybe an hour total of sleep between the three kids um the baby woke up like I said he woke up at midnight while I was actually still awake and I fed him and he did eat a little bit I think he ate you know a couple of ounces and then at some point my six-year-old woke up with a bloody nose she's got some seasonal allergies and so she kind of rubs her nose and then she ends up getting a bloody nose she had one at school yesterday so then she turned around and had one in the night again and uh of course we don't have any toilet paper in the upstairs bathroom so she's just slinging blood everywhere because there's nothing to catch it with because here's the incredible thing nobody else in my family knows how to put toilet paper on the roll except for me am i the is there anybody else in the world that knows how to do this because in my household i'm the only one so when the toilet paper runs out upstairs it'll go i mean honestly i'm almost i kind of want to do a social experiment experiment and see how long it goes in that upstairs bathroom before somebody other than myself actually puts toilet paper on the roll It, it would probably be years because i don't my kids act like they don't see it they i don't know what they do because they all both use that bathroom they continue to use it it's just filth it's gross is what it comes down to so of course she's just slinging blood everywhere i thankfully found a uh hand towel and and then she continues to rub it and then she's surprised that it's still bleeding. i'm like stop rubbing your flipping nose no wonder it's bleeding get her to bed my one-year-old's coughing all night. Why? Because, probably because it's 100 degrees in a room. This is something I'm actually, my day is kind of short. I'm frustrated and not see more patients, but I do need to kind of get home and get my house uh, summarized, as I like to, um, as I like to call it, because I could run the thermostat downstairs, or I could run the thermostat that's supposed to be for the whole house at I don't know I could put it probably put it down on 65 degrees and it would still be a sauna in the upstairs of my house it is just it just doesn't the the system that I have um, for my house is just not big enough through the winter it's kind of the same like it, it, it definitely doesn't get it warm enough upstairs through the winter but it's not as bad like it it seems like it at least um you know it'll be like maybe five degrees colder than the thermostat or something but it's definitely not as bad um so i gotta go home it's my favorite part about the summer i pay for uh electric to run my air conditioning that only cools off the downstairs and then i also pay the electric to run window unit air conditioners in everybody's bedrooms because i'm a rockefeller i don't know if you knew that I'm loaded. So yeah, take all my money, DPNL. It's my favorite thing to do is to uh 
pay a $200 electric bill year-round because I live in a barn of a house that sucks energy like none other. Um, so I'm going to do that. I got to get her... I got to put her window unit in to try to cool it off in her room a little bit. I think, I really think that that's probably what caused her to cough through the night. So here I am, you know, baby's awake, then a bloody nose, then the coughing over the monitor, and I'm awake. And then the baby's awake a couple of other times, and I try the pacifier, and and then he's up at five, and I feed him. But then he's, it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic, because it's like he's, he's hungry, and so he'll drink maybe like an ounce. And then he'll stop, and he doesn't want anything else to do with it. And then um, I'll go to lay him down, and then but then he's still hungry, so I'll get him up, and he'll drink like maybe a half an ounce. So that we kind of carried on like that for about an hour, really. Um, and then I want to say it was like pushing six, six thirty before he finally went back to sleep. And then you know, then at seven thirty I'm up. So yeah, I the thing that's great is that I got so much sleep on Sunday. <clears throat> And uh, overnight on Sunday night, that I don't feel too bad today, even though I know I didn't get any sleep last night. I think I kind of built up a good reserve those few days. So, yeah, yesterday I actually, um, with the uh, one-year-old being at the sitter and then the baby was kind of sleeping on and off throughout the day, I ended up, um, I felt okay and I ended up getting quite a bit of grass mode, so... It's a pretty productive day, actually. I'm sure I got a lot of grass mowed, and I got a lot of branches picked up from where I trimmed my apple trees a year ago. <laughs> That's the kind of life that I'm living. Like, projects get done, but they might get done in, in sections with months and years in between the, the start to the completion. But, hey, at this point, like, the trees need trimmed again. It's just... It's a never-ending cycle. When you live on five acres of land with a barn and other outbuildings, a garage, and a, uh, a house that's, you know, the size of the one, it's literally a full-time job. Like, I could quit my job and never complete all of the work that needs done inside and outside of in the, in the barn and everything else. It's just nonstop, but... I kind of had to have had to just look at it and say, uh, you know what? I, I get done what I can get done. I was outside mowing grass last night after 9 p.m. And until I look, I, I, I literally could not see anymore. And then I just turn it off and put it up. And then, then I'll mow grass the next time whenever I can. So anyway, um, I don't really have any other uh, updates or anything else going on. Um, I am gonna, um, like I mentioned, I'm gonna go ahead and spend, I think actually the next couple of episodes, because one thing that I noticed, which I guess this is good, last night when I was recording, like I said, I was 40 minutes in and still wasn't even really, um, close to being done talking about my foster care journey and kind of where I am today. So I think I might, um, split up over a couple of episodes to just answer and, and go over some of the big topics that I feel like come up with foster care and <clears throat> maybe expound a little bit on some of the um, parts of my story that uh, I'll just kind of brush over today. But anyway, so this goes back to um, to really like in the late 90s 
Um, I was going to a church with my family, and they um, went on a missions trip to Mexico City. Was it Mexico City or Guadalajara? I think it was Guadalajara. I don't think I've ever been to Mexico City. Guadalajara in Mexico, and at one point in that trip, we did do like a day or two in an orphanage, and I remember then just being um, really enthralled with the idea of like orphan ministry and and really um, just knowing and, and feeling so confident and passionate like that was something that God had for my life as far as in some way form that I was going to be a part of that type of ministry and that type of outreach. Um, in 2000, I was dating a guy um, who was a youth pastor at a church and that particular church was connected with a ministry called Back to Back out of Mason, Ohio. And I, um, I ended up going with that church in the youth group as a youth worker, you know, like as a chaperone or whatever on that trip. And uh, I remember the first day kind of sitting around with one of the leaders from Back to Back and, and the leader saying, you know, what are what's the thing that you're most afraid of? And that particular ministry was like their actual sole focus was um, orphanage. Uh, they partnered with orphanages or if I could say the word, good grief, orphanages. Oh, look, my fuel's low as usual. Shocker. Um, they partnered with orphanages in the area local to them. Um, so that was all we were going to be doing was like construction and work and then working with the kids there. But I remember the leader asking, you know, what is it that you're afraid of this week? What are you worried about? What are you afraid of? And, you know, I'm with a bunch of teenagers. And so, of course, they're talking about they're afraid that they're worried about not being able to talk to their moms and they're being away from their families and not having their phones, which there weren't really phones as big as they are now back then but you know whatever it was and I remember saying that my biggest fear was how I was going to feel when I left there because to me already being there and like the little bit of time that we had spent that day at the orphanage felt like home like I felt more alive and more passionate in the you know just that one day and I couldn't imagine going back to you know my life before then so stay there that week and then ended up the following summer um getting hired on as an intern with back to back and stayed down there I was I try to remember I think it was six weeks it might have been eight weeks but stayed there you know led um high school groups and did a lot more um just outreach to the different orphanages ended up staying and relieving some of the um like the full-time caregivers at the orphanage and staying with the kids there and like actually being you know like a basically a staff person at one of the orphanages for a couple of weeks to give them a vacation so really got a you know real like real in real clear picture of how things were run and you know the kids are just they're just heartbroken they're heartbroken they're they're you know just it's just really, really, um, it was just sad and it, but it was also, you know, just, just a time in my life where I felt like God was just so clear with me about this is, this is where, what I have for you. Like, this is the world that I want you to be a part of for these children that, that need love and that need care. And so at that point or, or right around that point, you know, I was pursuing, um, I made a college change and I was, 
you know, worked a couple of summers at camp, but still, you know, really new. Like, even through college, I went, I think, total to back with Backpack Ministries down to Mexico 10 or 11 different times. So I would go on, I mean, I would go anytime I could go. Spring breaks, Thanksgiving breaks. I don't think I ever spent Christmas there, but I spent a lot of holidays there, a lot of holiday, a lot of breaks from school and summer and everything. But, um, you know, and then got married to my first husband and still really didn't know how it was going to play out. Still felt like just this just this desire and, and want to be a part of that type of ministry. The, um, the CEO, <clears throat> Beth of back to back ministries, I heard her talk one time and she talked about how, um, you know, a horse wears, you know, if you have put us out, <clears throat> I'm going to, if I have a coughing fit here, I'll just pause y'all and then come back. Um, <clears throat> If you put a saddle on a horse and it has like a thorn or, you know, like a burr or something underneath the saddle, you know, the horse is just going to be uneasy and not do what you want it to do and, and just kind of uh, be off its game because it's going to obviously be distracted and, and feel that burr and, and feel that, you know, that just that little kind of thorn in its side kind of thing. And that's, that's kind of how she described um, the orphan ministry. And I remember when she was talking about that, I was thinking oh my gosh, like, that's exactly how I feel, that's, like, my burr, that's the burr in my saddle, like, I feel this just, like, antsiness of how am I going to play out this passion that I have, that I feel like God's given me for, um, for orphan ministry, and, and for kids that were without parents, and just need, you know, need care, need homes, need whatever they need, so even, you know, when I had gotten remarried, and even when I married my second husband, we went to a banquet together, and, like, I continue to just be a part of, um, of the ministry and of the outreach with back to back and of the orphan ministry with them. And, um, I actually was even offered a job with their organization once. And I kind of thought at the time, like that was how, that was how I was going to be, that was how I was going to be a part of it. Um, but it, it didn't, it, it didn't end up being, it did not end up being, um, a fit, a good fit, and I, uh, I didn't end up taking the job, so, um, fast forward, I guess, a couple years, actually, before I, um, before I met my second husband, um, we met in November, and I was scheduled to go, um, on a mission trip with Back to Back for the first time in, like, you know, six or seven years at that point, maybe ten, no, yeah, it was, like, ten no, maybe like eight years. I hadn't been, and I was going to a church where some of the missionaries that I had knew when I would, had been going down there had actually come back and moved stateside, and he was a youth pastor at the church I was going to, but they were going to lead a trip down in February of that following year, and I had signed up to go and was planning to go and was so excited to go, and so... um I mean, I'm going to make a whole, I'm going to, I'm going to just do a, a lot more information about my, my second husband and my relationship with him. But just as a, just as a, a bonus, uh, piece of information that has nothing to do with foster care, but I'm just thinking about this now. So I'm going to say it, it you know, I, I'm not patting myself on the back or saying that I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I know where I'm at and I can't turn this thing off because the battery died on my tablet. And so apparently the map's still still running but I can't turn off the GPS but anyway um, Use the left two 
apparently I also can't turn it down. Holy jeez. Um, I'm trying, people. I'm really just on the struggle bus, full force ahead, and, you know, doing the best that I can do, and it's, I can't do anything with it. I'm about to just throw it out the window. Um, anyway. So when I met my um, second husband, like I said, not patting myself on the back, not saying I'm anything special, but I feel like I was at a point in my life where, and I had been, I mean, I was active in my church. <clears throat> I had just, like I said, I had signed up and I was pursuing planning and saving and everything else to go on this missions trip. I was, um, I was active in my faith, you know. I don't, I, I don't think you have to do things or that there's things that you have to say, oh, well, if you're not going on mission trips or if you're not uh, serving in your church, then you're not a Christian. No, no, I don't, I don't believe that. But I, I do believe what the Bible says that, you know, if you're, if you have a faith in God, then you, that faith is evident by the fruit in your life. And I feel like that, you know, when I met him, I was active in my faith to the point that I had a fruit in my life and I was doing things and pursuing my faith in a way that, you know, if you, I would hope, I mean, if you looked at my life from the outside, I would hope that you would, you would be able to say, okay, well, that person's a Christian that because of this, this, and this, and what I see and how I see her anyway. So the thing is, is that though, when I met him, even though his words to me were that he was a Christian, um, there wasn't anything, there wasn't any, uh, church involvement. There was no church attendance at all. He never had attended church. There was no involvement. <laughs> Sorry about that. I actually ended up backing out of the trip, um, because he didn't agree with the, uh, premise of international, um, short-term mission trips because he felt like there was, you know, plenty of, of short-term and missions outreach things that could be done here stateside. And, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole other debate for another day. But, um, so, I mean, I think that's one of my biggest, not regrets because, you know, it is, you know, it is what it is. God had, God's plan is, is what it is. But I just sometimes think like, what if I would have just said to him, no, like, I'm, I'm committed to this trip. I want to do it. And I believe that this, this is what God has for me. And I think like, I think this is something that I'll encourage my daughters and even my sons when they get older, if they meet somebody and it feels very passionate and a lot of emotions, just take a week, like just take a week away from them and see how you feel at the end of that week. And I think I, sometimes I look back and I think, man, what if I would have just gone on that trip? If I would have gone on that trip in February, here we met at the end of November, we got married in March. Ding, 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 red flag, <laughs> red flag to disaster. Um, <clears throat> if I would have gone on that trip in February and, you know, delayed our wedding, um, you know, I would have been around a lot of super wise counsel there. I mean, a lot of really wise, strong women that are missionaries there. I would have been able to kind of run the scenario and maybe I would have had somebody basically been like, snap out of it, snap out of it. This guy isn't a Christian. Like, look at his life. Uh, what are you doing? And I, I think I would have been able to been like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? But yeah, like I said, 
I'll get into that more uh, in the future. But you know, I, I kind of got caught up in the same same scenario two times around. And um, anyway, I'm not very good at learning from my mistakes, I guess. So um, I didn't like I said I didn't go on that trip, but that didn't you know that didn't change you know, how I felt or, or where my heart was. I still felt that way. I was, I was bummed to not be able to go. Um, so fast forward, I guess, to right around the summer, spring of 2016. Here my, my um, second husband had been gone at that point for about a year and a half. He had left and then um, he had, had left and come back. So maybe about two and a half years at that point. But, um, I went to my pastor and I said, you know, look, I'm, I'm giving a lot of time and a lot of energy to try to make my uh, marriage work with this man. And it's just not. And here I thought, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old then. And I, you know, I said, you know, I'm 33 years old. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste my days. I don't want to waste my life. And and not that investing in your spouse or investing in, you know, someone's salvation is ever a waste of time. But what I had to learn and what I learned through that summer is that it was not my responsibility to see him come to Christ. And I, uh, I couldn't hold that. I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to that. You know, I had to know that it was in God's timing if that, if that were to ever happen. Um, and so I went to my pastor and I said, look, I want to serve in this church. I want to serve in general, but I know that, um, I need to make my marriage a priority. Here's the things that I've done that haven't worked. Um, what else can I do to make it work? Because I want to do that now prior to that, about a year prior to that, I had, um, you know, I was obviously still, uh, you know, fighting with him and just trying to make it work, trying to carry on and, and, uh, wasn't really getting anywhere. So I, I had that same feeling of, I don't want to waste my life. My life has got to be more than just fighting with this man all the time. I want to, you know, leave a legacy for my children of, just selfless service and, and, and just want them to see a life that, that hopefully honors God. And, and I, and I, I want my life to matter. Like I don't, I don't want my days to be empty and void of any type of anything that matters. I don't want to live a life that's selfish. And so I, um, you know, I kind of had those feelings on and off and I had, started a new job and, you know, quit children's services. And so I came out of the building, um, and I saw this guy who was a trainer. We have to take social workers. That's all we do is go to trainings. Um, like, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of hours constantly going to trainings about everything. And I saw this guy who was a trainer and I, I wanted to say something to him because I thought I might, I, you know, I might not ever see him. He was a trainer with children's services for the most part. And so I went over to him like, Hey, uh, you know, I really, you know, appreciated the trainings of yours that I came to. I said, would you believe it? I just am coming out of children's services the last time ever as an employee. I turned in my badge. I did my ex interview. I'm out of here. And he was like, I can't believe you left. And, and then he said to me, he said, uh, 
so do you think you're about ready to become a foster parent then? And I was like, what the, no, what are you talking about? Like, I'm getting out of this world. I'm not of the child welfare world. I'm not trying to get back into it by being a foster parent. And he said, no, no, I want, I want you to, um, I want you to pray about, uh, foster care. He was a Christian guy and, um, I knew that about him and he actually handed me his business card and what I didn't know is that in addition to his training business that he ran, he was also the um, director at that time of a private foster care agency that was based, you know, here where I live. And he said, I want you to call into the office and find out when they start their orientation classes. I really think that this is something you need to pray about. And I was just like kind of... Just had to take a phone call. This is a phone call that no parent ever wants to get. Hi, this is Holly, the nurse from the inter- the primary school. Son of a gun, what's going on? Oh my gosh, my daughter, six years old, who is um, she tips the uh, she tips the scale when it comes to drama, high emotion, high drama, but just so sweet. I mean, just good just good to her core nice this this child i know i'm going off on another tangent and i don't care because it's my channel and i'll do what i want and i'm also i'm an adult so there's that part but um anyway this child on sunday here i'm on death's door my mom drops him back off to the house like around five or six seven i don't know what time it was i was so just miserable she starts cleaning like <laughs> six years old cleaning just i mean stripping the refrigerator of all the papers um stripping the island of everything here's the thing that with her though <clears throat> she's not a fan of clutter i'll give her that i'm really not either but there's just like if if I'm going about my day-to-day, like, I leave stuff out on the island. I'll leave stuff, stuff that I use, like the, like, bottled water, the baby's formula, blah, blah, blah. She don't like any of that to be left out. I can't find half of my shit anymore. Once she gets in a room and cleans it, I can't find anything because <laughs> the other day I found the kiwis in the refrigerator because even though kiwis I leave out on the island on the fruit bowl... Uh, they were in the container still that they came in from the store. She didn't like that, so she put the whole container in the refrigerator. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just so good. But apparently, um, two kids in her class accidentally um, screamed in her ear, and it hurt, and she was crying. So, that's why they called. Not a bad call. I'll take that one all day long. She also, she had a, a bloody nose at school yesterday. The child is having it rough this week at school. My prediction is that she's going to end up being sick within the next day or two because she's the only one in our household that's avoided this uh, plague that's passed through. So I'm hoping that this isn't a precursor to her ending up being sick with something, you know, within the next day or two. But we'll see how she feels when she comes home. So anyway i think what i was talking about was i got the card from that guy i ended up call i did end up calling i was kind of just thinking through i mean obviously i knew what foster care was i knew what foster parents did but i wasn't too familiar with some of the private agencies um and kind of what they did and 
So I, uh, I had a mentor at that time that I had, you know, had was at her house and I said, look, Shelly, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm thinking about becoming a foster parent. And at that point here, I'm like single mom to two kids working full time, just changed jobs. Like probably the last thing that I should ever think about doing. And, uh, she actually, I remember she just started crying and she was like, I can't believe you're saying that. Um, her husband and her at that time had got, had, you know, she told me then that they had really felt convicted about financially being more, um, just like giving more to families and children and things in need in their community. Um, and that they had started going to a new church where there were a lot of foster families and foster children and, she was actually doing some outreach to, um, like kind of like a uh, more inner city, I think like a school setting. Anyway, so it was just kind of like a crazy lineup. And, and basically, I, you know, she said, she was like, I'll, I'll pray for you. Like, I don't know what the, um, I don't know what the solution is. And I don't know if it is the right thing for you. And you, you have to know that. And so I, I did, I did at that point feel like I'm content with my life right now, but I still wanted to be available and I thought, well, if this is a way that, you know, I can at least say, God, I'm obedient. I want to, um, if this is what you have for me to become a licensed foster parent, (coughs) then I'm going to be obedient and do that. And then we'll see what happens from there. So I went through the process. Um, like I said, I'll, uh, I'll maybe just do like little, like shorter episodes to just kind of highlight some of the things Um, like, you know, the whole process of becoming licensed, the classes and the fire marshal and the visits and the interviews and your kids are interviews. It's just a whole mess of stuff that you have to go through, but I'll, I'll do a, a a more detailed discussion of that. Um, but I went through the process, I got licensed and so that's where I'm jumping. Like I just did a whole, I, I did, (laughs) I did a whole flashback and now I'm back to where I was with my pastor. And at that point I had been licensed, um, you know, right around then actually. And so he says, um, he said, I think you need to go to counseling. He said, I really think, you know, that's going to be kind of your last straw. And and if he can, if he's willing to come, then, then that'll be good. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I started going to this counselor, um, Christian counselor. And then they, um, they invited him in we had one session together and, uh, with the male and female counselor, the female counselor that I had been seeing and then the male counselor that was going to, you know, ideally start seeing him. And, um, it was in that session that my, um, my second husband admitted that he had actually been cheating on me for about, um, over a year not only while we were like full-time, full-time separated, but also we had been on and off separated for about a year before that. And he admitted, you know, during that session that he had cheated on me quite a few times. And then, you know, basically like cheated on me, came back, cheated on me, came back. And I was oblivious and I was shocked. (laughs) I was hurt and I was all the emotions. But, um, I remember at the end of that session, they sent him out And he went and, you know, went and talked to the, uh, 
I think he just left, actually, because I remember I talked to the man. It was the man who was in there with me. I think the woman who I was seeing was in there with me, too. And and he said, um, number one, he said, I don't believe that he's a Christian. And I was like, yeah, I mean, newsflash on that. But And he said, number two, you need to go to your, your doctor and get tested for STDs. <laughs> I was like, great. Can't wait to do that. Awesome. So I did that because, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, my second husband has never really been one to feel too inclined to share details with me, um, even though it affects me. So he wouldn't tell me anything. He wouldn't, you know, I would ask him and he wouldn't, you know, give me any information. He just blew me off. So I was like, you know, let me just make sure that I don't have AIDS. And go and uh, see my doctor. So I remember the day I had that appointment. So this was about, this was in August um, of 2016. And I believe it was um, about a week, uh, maybe two weeks actually before, before I got a call, um, got the call about my daughter, my foster daughter, my first foster daughter. So I, um. I remember walking into that appointment and I walked back to the room and I heard the sound, you know how when you go in and you're pregnant and you hear, and they like they use the little Doppler thing and you get to hear the heartbeat of your baby and it's just really exciting. And I remember just crying when I heard that sound, not because I wanted to be pregnant. I didn't want to be pregnant. I didn't even really want a baby. I knew I was licensed to be a foster parent. I'd had other calls. I had had a couple of calls that were never, you know, they weren't the right fit or they weren't, you know, I had said um, from day one that I could only take one child that was younger than my daughter. And I had been told, like, don't, don't plan on it. Don't count on it. That's not the type of placements that our agency does. And you're probably, you're probably never going to get called. And I had, I had basically resigned myself and said, you know, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm, I, I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm being obedient to where I feel like God has me. And, um, you know, if, if it happens, it will. If not, if not, then I know at least on my end, I know that this is the, this is the, the where I'm supposed to be, you know, when it comes to what I believe was my call to orphan ministry and, and things. So anyway, so I'm at this OBGYN. Holy crap, bump. I'm at this OBGYN and uh, I remember just thinking like, man, I just, I don't wish I was pregnant. I just wish I was here for something different. I wish that I wasn't here to, um, you know, do STD testing. It's so embarrassing. And uh, anyway, so... I go through that. It's over with. I'm clear. I'm clean, by the way, in case anybody cared. But, uh, so I'm still kind of reeling from that whole experience. And then the next week, this is like Samantha's disclosure hour. I didn't really mean for it to get this deep, but just to give you a picture, like when I tell, when, when I hear people saying that they don't believe in God, I want them to hear this story because, um, I got a call on a Friday, September. Oh, this, so this, I was in August. It was in September. She was born August 30th. I gotta be careful on how many details I pass out here, but 
it was September 16th that I got the call for her. So the week before that, that was on a Friday. The Friday before that, I was like in excruciating pain. Let's just say I had a little energy or a little injury from uh lifting incorrectly in my CrossFit class and I'll leave it at that. Um, and so, I mean, just God's timing, God's hand. I know it seems ridiculous, but I could not have taken care of a baby. I could barely get up and walk. Um, I'd actually had like an outpatient surgery that Friday and was home and just, you can ask my mom, like screaming and misery and just disaster pain and I mean, it was okay. I was fine, like, within a day or two. But, um, so, you know, that, this is the timing of that. So, I get a call about her. I hadn't told anybody. This is the other thing. Because I wasn't really expecting to ever get a placement, I hadn't told anybody that I was fostering or that I had got my foster care license. So, um, I got a call about her, um, on a Friday and then picked her up on Saturday. There were a lot of cool moments along there. Like I remember Friday, I was actually on my way um, to my CrossFit class that evening and I got the call and then it was just kind of a waiting game. Like I had to wait to find out officially if she was going to end up being placed with me. Um, And so I went into my CrossFit gym and I went back into the, like the kids room and I was making a couple phone calls and I, uh, you know, when I finally got the confirmation that she was going to come to me, I remember I came out of the, that little kid's area and the other people that were at the gym, um, were like, come on, Samantha, like we're ready to get started. And I was like, I can't, I'm getting a baby tomorrow. (laughs) And they were like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, I'm a foster parent. I haven't told anybody and I'm picking up a baby from the hospital tomorrow. I gotta go to babies R us. And so they were all excited and it was cool, cool moment with them. And then I remember my kids were so excited and they were so happy and like they didn't, I never, I, I mean, they obviously knew because it's like I mentioned, as part of the process, they had to be interviewed. They were obviously home when I had the home visits and all the walkthroughs and blah, blah, blah process. And so they knew, but I also had kind of told them like, look guys, don't hold your expectations too high because this is what I've been told. And you know. We're just, if it happens, it happens kind of thing. So they were so excited. Um, and I remember I pulled into the parking lot of uh, Babies R Us. And this song came on the radio. Um, the Lion and the Lamb. I think it's by For King and Country. And it says, Who can stop the Lord Almighty is one of the, the lyrics. Um our God, if I can remember it, our, I'm oh, sure I might have to end up singing it like I did that other song, which was terrible. Um, anyway, the whole premise of the song is that how strong God is, but then also how gentle he is as a lamb. And I just sat there in the parking lot and I cried and I cried. And my daughter, who was, you know, really four, she had just turned five. She was like upset. And I remember my son saying, no, Clara, those are happy tears. You know, mommy's happy. And so I was the funny, like I was in the parking lot and I text my sister-in-law who had just had my niece at the time, wasn't very old, a couple months old. And I said, look, I'm, I'm a foster parent. I'm picking up a baby tomorrow. Um, 
I don't know what to buy. I'm really flustered and I don't have very many things for the bay. I had a, had a crib and a car seat, which is like the requirement, bare, bare requirements, bare minimum. And, uh, I was like, <clears throat> tell me the, the, the minor, the, like the, <laughs> the minimalist things that I can get when I go in here to Babies R Us so I don't go in here and spend a bunch of money on things that I don't even really need. So she sent me this whole list. I went in, bought a ton of stuff, came home, or actually, Went to my parents' house. I think our, it was already planned for me to stop by there. I'm not really sure what we we're doing. But my aunt and uncle were there. I called my aunt over to the trunk. Opened up the trunk. I've got all this baby stuff in there. I'm like, hey, um, by the way, I'm a foster parent. And I'm going to pick up a baby tomorrow from the hospital. She was like, oh my gosh, have you told your mom yet? Nope, I'm getting ready to right now. So I went inside. I tell my parents, I'm like, remember when I told you I was going to trainings? I was going to trainings, but I was going to trainings to become a foster parent, and I'm picking up a baby tomorrow. Um, and I'll say something. You know, my parents have never once um, treated uh, my my one year old, my daughter that I'm talking about now, or her um, brother, the baby, the almost five month old. They have never treated them um, like like foster children they've treated them like their grandchildren from day one and so they were so excited my mom came with me to the hospital when I picked her up <clears throat> and um it was a really awesome awesome moment and it's it's been amazing um since then you know I uh I've kind of this has carried on for almost an hour now so I'm gonna wrap this this one up but in the future, you know, um, future episodes this week, what I'm going to talk about is, you know, expectations in foster care. Like I mentioned, I'm going to talk about the licensing process. I'm going to talk about um, tips and and things to things that you need to know going into foster care as far as what to expect, expectations, um, things that you need to do and that you need to have in place um, when it comes to foster care. So. My hope, my dream is that I can reach other people and answer questions so that they feel confident. You know, there's a, um, this poster printout that says that if, if one family, not one church, not one whole church, but if one family in every church in the United States became a licensed foster parent. So let's just say, if you think about that, like if just one family, but then yet, so that one family is the only one that takes in the children, but then every other family in the church steps in and helps out to support that family so that they feel like they can continue to do it and they feel supported and everything else. So if one family in every church became a licensed foster parent, <coughs> that's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm going to get a drink. And had children in their home, it would completely... It would essentially shut down the foster care system because every child would be placed within a home, within a church. I mean, that basically that statistic tells you how many churches there are in the United States and that there are more churches in the United States than there are actually children in foster care. So if, if one family per church, then that would that would cover all of the kids. I know those numbers don't line up. I know, of course, I don't have the numbers. Of course, I don't. But um, so that's my goal. I mean, along the way... 
in now a little bit over two years, I've definitely have had, like my sitter right now is on her way to becoming licensed. I've definitely have had other families and friends of mine that have become licensed. I'm, you know, I think from, from seeing, you know, me and, and from me answering questions and stuff. And that's definitely my goal is to even reach broader than my barely, you know, reachable, uh, people that I interact with here is, um, answer questions, motivate, you know, I'm, I'm single and I'm a foster parent. Like, I don't think that people even think that's, or know that that's an option. And I want for people to know that I want for, I want to be able to spread that information so people know that, um, you know, that if you're thinking about it or if you even are having an inkling to being a part of that type of ministry and, and being a part of it and being in kids' lives that way, that it's definitely, um, it's definitely an option. It's definitely, and there's definitely a huge need. And uh, hopefully I can answer questions to help you feel more confident to do that. So that's to come. Um, I, this was long and it was a lot of words and I, I rambled on a lot. But uh, that's my journey. That's my journey to becoming a foster parent. I'm kind of in it for the long haul at this point. Like my goal is to buy a van and I'm just going to be that lady who always has babies and, you know, always is tired and... Sometimes I say that and I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I just want to sleep. But I'm kind of in it for the long haul. I don't, I don't foresee there being a time where I stop being a foster parent. I, uh, I really love it. And I've had a, um, you know, I've got two beautiful children that I have to, you know, thank God. and, And I'm so, so humbled and so blessed to be able to be their mom just just an amazing amazing thing of just an amazing story of how you know like I said being in that OBGYN OBGYN's office and feeling the pain and hurt of you know what my second husband had you know the things he had done and just our relationship in general and just feeling the loss of time and feeling like I was really just wasting my life. And then to have that redeemed in such a just incredible, amazing way. I even, I remember telling my pastor, um, the week after my daughter, I'd picked her up and had her home. I remember feeling this like almost an audible voice of God saying, here's a little bit more. Here's a little more blessing. Here's more blessing. She's healthy. Here's more blessing. She's a preemie, but look how perfect she is. Here's more blessing. Here's more blessing. Here's more. And just feeling in that moment, even though I was sacrificing and not sleeping and, 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 you know, doing this and feeling crazy. And it was so many appointments and hard and everything else in that moment. And with my son, you know, in those two moments, I felt God's love and God's provision in a way that I don't know that I've ever felt it before. Um, so I just think we have to know that God sees our hearts. He wants um, he wants he, his desires. Our desires are his desires. <clears throat> you know, when I desire, uh, when my desires line up, how do I say this? When my desire is to serve God in a way that honors him, I believe he fulfilled, he'll fulfill those desires. So my desire was to serve God, you know, in an, in a way that honored him in the, in an orphan, in an orphan ministry with children, um, 
And so I believe that he fulfilled those desires in just a absolutely incredible way. So anyway, that's that one hour long, baby. Oh my gosh. So much talking. So hopefully I don't lose this one. I'm going to be honest with you. If I lose this one, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) So, um, enjoy this Tuesday. Don't get too hot if you're in Ohio because it is a steamy one as, as my super intense, um, my sock, my son's soccer coach, he's like way hardcore. Be sure to pack a gallon of water and make sure it's cold because it's a hot one. Uh, all right. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.